Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another VW podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We've got a very interesting three things interviewee today. First of all, with me is my partner, Rad. Rad, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. How you doing, Kev? You know, we're doing this one trans-Texlantic. That, <laughs> yeah, would that be appropriate? I think, that, it, you know, Texas is about as important as the entire Atlanta. That's right. So. Thank you. Well, to me, it is. Well, unless you're a listener from out of Texas and you're interested in working with us, then you're important as well. Your home state <laughs> is important as well. But no, Red's in Austin. I'm in Dallas. We're doing this one remotely for the first time, but I think it's going well. With us today is an attorney who really did cross the Atlantic, or did you come across the Pacific? How did you fly over here, Rustam? So it was around eight, eight hours flight over the ocean. And before three hours from Moscow to Germany to get there. So it was like a, a day off from my life. So okay, so this is, this is Rustam Rafikov, who's visiting us. He's an attorney visiting Vela Wood from Russia. So Rustam, so you flew west to Germany and then yeah. across the Atlantic to, to where? Where did, you get, where did you land? Where's your entry point in the U.S.? To Washington, D.C. Okay. Yeah. And I don't understand. Isn't Alaska, doesn't it touch Russia? Can't you just walk across the Bering Strait into Alaska and then take a dog sled down to Anchorage and then come down to Texas? Uh, next time I, I will do this. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I'm just asking. I don't know. Brad, I know you were in Russia last year, right? Two years ago, yeah. Two years ago. So when you went, did you go across Atlantic or across Pacific? Does anyone go across Pacific? Is that a dumb question? Yeah, it's kind of dumb. Uh, <laughs> even if you could theoretically, and, and Rustam and I talked about this, obviously Russia is just enormous. It's the largest country in the world by a large margin because they border Finland and all of these European countries. And they also border China and Korea, maybe even like they're all the way to the, you know, obviously you're right, Kev, they, they border the U.S. up near Alaska. So, but there's just not a lot of people living in that area is what we discussed. <laughs> yeah, because it's cold. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, Rustam, thanks so much for joining us. It's been awesome having you here. I want everyone to know that VW did a movie event where we took some VW employees and some clients and partners to go see Top Gun. And so that was Rustam's first viewing of Top Gun. And he was cheering for the MiG pilot, which I thought was inappropriate given where we were. But, yeah, that's the key. <laughs> okay. No, but it was awesome. That was Rustam's first time seeing Top Gun. So Rustam, let's talk a little bit about your legal background, right? I don't want to get too far into this because we have a lot of non-lawyers listening to this, but in the U.S., it's four years of undergrad and then three years of law school to become a lawyer, and then you have to pass a certification test in the state in which you're going to be licensed. What's the process for becoming licensed in Russia, and where did you attend school? Uh, so we have different approach to legal profession. It's like European one. First of all, you need to start your bachelor degree with four years, and uh, usually people also go for a master, another two years. And after six years, you, you can apply to, to a bar for admission, but actually you can start practicing after your bachelor degree. So we, we don't have special admission and uh, certification for lawyers. So you can start after your bachelor degree but today uh, we have uh, this debates about starting certificate uh, new lawyers 
uh, like you, you Americans uh, do. Now, but you actually studied overseas, right, Rustam? Yes, of course. My first bachelor degree, I obtained it in Russia. Then I moved to UK. I started in, in common law. So because it's popular in Russia also, uh, we have transactional deals, uh, international uh, environment there. And therefore, for me, it was interesting. And uh, I obtained my LLM, master degree, and University of Manchester. So it was like a double program with Russian education. Wait, so you went to get your LLM in the UK? Yeah, yeah. So you, you studied law in English? Uh, yeah, I studied law in English, but part of the program was also about Russian law and about like comparative law, et cetera, et cetera. First of all, that's amazing that you're able to go to law school in a second language. And then how do, how do UK law, you know, how do UK laws match up with Russian laws? So it's completely different law, <laughs> completely different approach. In Russia, we use this European system. We apply a concept from Roman Empire and civil code. We have it. We don't use precedents, but people like the concept of English law. They love this idea of trust. They love the style of a judgment, but it's most applicable for lawyers, not an attorney, sure. not for a judge from government point. Okay. Well, fantastic. So what type of law do you practice back in Russia? So I practice corporate law, business law, a little bit IP also. Okay. So similar to what we do here. Yeah. All right. This is great. So as this is our three things podcast, I want to ask you three things about startups in Russia. And then I want to get Rad's input on this because, well, before we do it, Rad, why don't you frame for everyone who's listening, what did you do when you were in Russia a couple of years ago? Sure. So what I did was a similar program to what Rustam is doing now. So two years ago, or almost three years ago now, we hosted another Russian attorney, Dmitry Makarov, and he was in our Austin office as well for three weeks. And then what we did was called an outbound program. And so all of this is through an organization called American Councils, that works closely with the State Department and the organization is, uh, I believe it's called Russian Business Leaders, yeah. RBL. And so they come over here, we host them for a number of weeks and then we're, we can apply for an outbound program. And what I did was I spent about 10 days in Russia, about half in St. Petersburg, half in Moscow. And in that process, I spoke at, I would say, three accelerators, two to three universities, also at the U.S. Embassy in Moscow and then put on a pitch competition for Russian startups. Little known fact, only one uh, startup showed up, and so they, they won. But it was actually a really <laughs> unique technology, and we're doing uh, work for them right now. We gave them a $4,500 retainer, and so now they've got a Delaware entity, and they have some U.S.-based people working for them, so it's, it's all going really well. So it was a fantastic experience, and it was really unique, and my first time over there. But yeah, so... Now uh, we're, we're hosting a, a, a second attorney because it was such a good experience the first time. Okay, great. All right, Rustam, let's get to it. So let's first talk about what the general legal environment looks like in Russia with respect to startups, meaning how popular are startups? Is it easy to, to start a business in Russia? And then what does the legal foundation or structure look like? You know, Rustam, here in the States, most of them are a Delaware corporation or maybe they're an LLC in their home state. And then they go out and they raise money through either convertible notes, safe agreements or equity agreements. But the equity agreements are largely 
commoditized or similar between rounds because everyone's used or between companies because everyone's using the same docs. So what does that look like in Russia? First of all, startups are very popular in Russia. So people trying to generate ideas to start something and uh, most interested in uh, cryptocurrency. So everyone started on startup on cryptocurrency, fintechs, ideas, etc., etc. But we don't have this legal environment, which is good for cryptocurrency, of course. And we don't have special zones for that. But anyway, people try to incorporate company like LLC. We have similar legislation on uh, option agreements. And we, we do this usual because we don't have possibility to incorporate safe or convertible loans. But our legislators try to adapt this model to Russian civil code because we, we have civil code as in Europe. Everything is there and we need to follow these rules. So we have a contract law, but we cannot escape like a public policy that is incorporated in uh, civil civil code. Therefore, people usually use, as I said, option agreement. Uh, they use also loans and they merge option and loans. And then we have this convertible loans. <laughs> now, when we talk about option agreements here in the U.S., we're generally talking about option agreements when you're issuing options, equity options to a service provider, an employee, a contractor, a director, something like that. When you're talking about option agreements, Rustam, are you meaning some sort of investment option agreement? Yeah, it could be investment or it could be like incentive for employers. But the thing is that LLC usually cannot issue shares, phantom shares or something. Therefore, you need to to enter into shareholder agreement with current shareholders when you will write that current shareholders have obligation to to make something to perform actions like sell shares, sales a- equity for for future for future shareholders, for future employers, something like this. We don't have like contractual freedom like you have with all this loans, incentives, phantom shares, etc. When he says that, Kev, and, and this was, I remember when I was over in Russia and I was talking with some attorneys over there, when he references the contract law, they quite literally have laws on the books that say, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rustam, I, I know there's a different, it could be like there's agricultural contracts or there's production contracts. And it basically says what's allowed to be in these contracts and not. And it's like at a legislative level. And so, the, and, and I'm just guessing as to those areas, but I remember there was like specific examples that were given. We're saying like, yeah, so there's like these five areas that there are, you can have these five different types of contracts and you can have certain things in those contracts and the legis, you know, the laws actually say that. So we don't have the freedom to kind of create a convertible note because you're basically taking debt, a debt instrument, which there's laws about that. And you're also saying that it's an equity instrument. And there's also, by the way, there's separate laws on that. And so they, they literally have laws, statutes that say that don't allow for this. And now they're trying to get creative ways to, to work around it. So this is fascinating because, Rustam, here in the States, people get very frustrated with the antiquated securities laws we have, which govern things like how do you actually issue the securities and who can you sell securities to? Once you get past those hurdles, there are a number of ways 
to actually facilitate the capital investment. We have safe agreements, we have convertible notes, we have equity agreements, we have hybrids of those things. And then, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of those agreements are standardized. I mean, if you if you pulled 100 safe agreements from 100 different companies, I would say 50, 60, 80% of them maybe are the exact same, maybe 85, 90%. So the whole point there, Roostum, is to speed up the process, right? And to make it quicker for the investor and for the company, and then to make it less expensive because we're not negotiating new legal docs every time. In your opinion, Roostum, does th- this legal structure that we have in Russia, where Rad mentioned you have these industry-specific contracts or terms or provisions, does that make it harder to get investment into startups? Uh, no, it's not. If you have, for example, a Russian-based investor who wants to invest in your company, you, you can just do it with a LLC, with a shareholder agreement, and with option, and with loans, as I said. But if you have international investor, you, you can start with using this legal scheme with offshore companies and Russian law Cyprus companies, for example. Mm-hmm. You can create a Cyprus company and also invest from there. And uh, you have opportunity to use English law and apply all this concept like a safe and convertible loans, et cetera, et cetera. But the problem is that you need to understand that your future legislation cost will be higher than if you would do this in Russia. So many, mm-hmm. many startups they, that obtain its investments from uh, foreign investors usually start with Cyprus entity. So therefore, it, it is possible to do all this, all these things, but you need you need to take in mind into account that you can follow like a in a contract freedom in Russia because it would be not applicable and when you will go to court with it you cannot be safe here with all this provision so people tend to do it with offshore company like Cyprus for example all right so question 2 what are the hot industries right now in Russia that that are seeing a lot of uh, startup investment it was cryptocurrency. Sure. But now people people think about fintech. It's payments, application for bank accounts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And another field is a legal tech. People are crazy with legal tech. It's specifically for lawyers. So all these CMS systems, customer related or time trackers or project management tools for legal profession, and also automatization program that that can create like documents that can give you an access to database that's very popular in Russia. So it's like a growing trend. Okay. Very cool. And then my last question for you is more about the ecosystem in general. You know, Rustam, here in in the US, there's an ecosystem or a, or a model or a template that's been being replicated all throughout the United States. And it started in San Francisco and in Boulder and in Austin. And then now it's in you know bigger cities like Dallas or Atlanta and Houston, where you have a number of actors or players in the space who are very important to it. You have incubators and accelerators. And a lot of times these entities also host co-working spaces or the co-working space is the incubator. And then you have your angel groups, which are very actively in doing early stage investment deals. And then you have support networks like meetup groups or you know other organizations that are meeting for founders to uh, provide meetings for founders to come and share ideas or get advice on their pitch deck or maybe just lament about the industry in general. What kind of ecosystem exists in in Russia, and do you guys get any state or government support for that? 
Yeah, now we have government support for that and government create a special like trade zones for innovations. One of it's Skolkovo, it's called Skolkovo. So it's the same, it's like a replication of Silicon Valley. They start to to do this, they provide you with a space for startups, you have a lower tax rate, or sometimes you don't have a obligation to pay tax when you're a startup and you uh, when you deal with IT technology, with something innovative technology. We have also some states in Russia, because we also Russia is a federal government, so we have uh, states and cities with a free trade zones when you can start startup and work with tax redemptions with tax-free regime. It's very popular. And uh, what about ecosystem also from a perspective of community? We have also meetups. We have all these conferences. We have the same stories. And you know, yesterday I was on a meetup in Austin, and it was amazing that the guy, is he spoke about Tony Robbins, other things. It was amazing that <laughs> it's still popular in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, in Russia, it's like, a, it's like a bad thing to do if you starting your meetup with motivation, with... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is nothing related to real business. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great. Well, you know what? I don't, I wouldn't mind if you pass that feedback yeah, back to the guy. <laughs> Starting with Tony Robbins. You know, Rodney, when you were out in Russia a couple of years ago, what were your impressions? You've obviously spent a lot of time in the Austin and Dallas ecosystems. What were your impressions of the startup ecosystems in the cities you visited there versus the ones you've spent time in in, in the states? Sure. I mean, you know, Rustin's been here a few weeks, so you can add maybe a little color. I'd say. You know, I spent my time in St. Petersburg and in Moscow, and between the two, I mean, St. Petersburg is more of a college town, but it, it didn't really seem to have a burgeoning startup scene. You know, I spoke at a university and two accelerators, incubators there, and, you know, they had them, which is great. There, there wasn't a lot of people showing up to the events. And then when I went to Moscow and, and I had these talks, whereas in St. Petersburg, I might have five people at a talk or I think maybe my highest was like eight at one, and then obviously like two at that one where we had a pitch competition. In in Moscow, you know, we would have forty, we would have thirty, so it was it was significant. And the questions that were being asked, you know, I was presenting on how does U.S. law work and starting a company in the states and what that process is like, and people were very intelligent and well rehearsed in what that process was, and they had a lot of questions about it, and they were all very interested in the possibility of starting something in the U.S. So it, it wasn't to the level of Dallas or Austin, but it was there, right? You could see it. You, you could see that people were interested in starting companies and had that entrepreneurial spirit and had been reading a lot on the internet about you know what we're doing here in the States from a startup perspective and we're, we're eager to share. Yeah, as it's true, we have also special publishers on business literature and most of American writers they translated into Russian and when I was in Austin in a book people store it was amazing for me that people still selling books uh, 10 years old or five years old like a pre-economics so it was also translated in Russia people read it and we we, we understand the culture we love it we also watching movies uh, YouTube and we we, we understand the possibility to grow and many Russians, many Russian companies, they want to go to American market also. They are really interested in it. But the problem of this 
political situation, I think, with the sanctions, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But I hope it would be better than now, and we will also go global. Well, Rustam, we're hoping that you'll take some of what you might have picked up here and take it back there and spread it to Russia. So I'll end with this. What have been your impressions on you know the Austin and Dallas startup scenes that you spent a little bit of time in? And what are you most excited to take back to Russia or to share once you get home? I think that uh, here people, their mindset is more entrepreneurial. They are more open to innovations, to they, they are ready to speak about it. They are ready to speak about business. They are not afraid to, to fall. In Russia, it's not common. So sometimes people don't like to tell about their vision, their strategy, their, their business goals. They just do something or not do something. So what I like here is that Americans really really think about business, they business oriented, they open to different ideas and they start doing it. So people are engaged in different activities. That's, that's what I like. That's great. That's awesome to hear because I think America likes to think of themselves as a as a nation of small business and, and people yeah. who can, you know, are hard workers and you really can go build the American dream. And it starts with building something on your own. And startups are just a form of small business. They're a subset of, you know, of, of a much larger small business population. Yeah. And a lot of times they outgrow it. So that's fantastic, Rustam. Rodney, you got some closing thoughts? No, just that it's been wonderful having Rustam here and learning Thank from you. him and it's always great to see how attorneys are doing things in other parts of the world. We've done this now. You were in, in Russia, in, in St. Petersburg and Moscow. I was in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic, two years ago. Yep. We've had Rustam here visiting. You and I are headed to Rio de Janeiro to put on a pitch competition. I'm always so energized by the formation of small businesses or startups and the energy and the hope and just the excitement that you get out of these things. And it is so neat to see that it is shared. This is this is a human thing. This is not a United States thing. The United States may, you know, have better or worse paths or, or vehicles in place to form businesses. And we definitely want to con- continue to encourage to do this. But I love that the emotion, the passion that Rustam has for it. You know, Rad, I got so close with our partner in Santo Domingo and the energy he had to do this. It really just shows that this transcends all borders. It transcends culture. This is a human thing. Human like the the passion, the you know, they, they like the energy that comes along with it. I think they like the responsibility. Sometimes they might be a, a bit masochistic. They like the angst that comes with it, but it's part of it. So Rustam, awesome having you on. So great meeting you. And we're thrilled that you came and, and spent some time with VW. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. The Vailawood podcasts are recorded in our Dallas office in Mockingbird Station. You can find all of our podcasts, including Office Hours, Three Things, and Silicon Valley Review on the iTunes Store. For questions, comments, or suggestions, email us at podcasts at